Our reading from the great and holy book today is from 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 14. This is the story of Elijah, who is the first prophet in Israel's history, um, being taken up into heaven and leaving his mantle for his understudy and successor, Elisha. As you hear the book, there are echo. As you hear this story, there are echoes of Moses crossing the Red Sea and of Joshua, the River Jordan, into the Promised Land. Hear now the word of God. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha. Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to greet Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha, and they said to him, do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, you've asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching. And crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him. And he went back and he stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord? Where is the God of Elijah? When he had struck the water, the 
water was parted to the one side and to the other. And Elisha went over. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Lord, as we turn to this story today, may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Thursday and Friday of this week, I had several back-to-back experiences which heightened my sense of what a mixed world we live in. Thursday afternoon, I received a call at home from a person whose family simply cannot catch a break, including most recently a frightening medical report. I am so tired of being Job, the caller said. I don't blame you, I responded. For several weeks, we've been watching one of our neighbors nurse the marriage-length family dog nearer and nearer to its final days. On Thursday night, Maggie told me that they had decided to put the dog to sleep. Early Friday, she happened to see the children saying goodbye to their first pet, the only dog they've known as they left for school. Later that morning, I was working on my sermon in the office My mobile phone rang and I recognized the number as that of belonging to my accountant in Iowa. Now, I always send my tax information in early to him, and so there's a very quick turnaround. When I answered the phone, I said, how are you doing, Dave? And he responded, a lot better than you. such a prince of a person. (laughs) When your accountant says that, you know the news isn't good. I shut the sermon down, of course. I went home for lunch, and then I went to Safeway afterwards. Walking into the store, I said to myself, Larry, your higher-than-expected tax bill is nothing compared to a child losing the only pet they've known or a caller feeling rightly like Joe. When I got into the store, I saw one of our older members who I knew had been holed up since Christmas. Are you out of quarantine long enough for me to give you a hug? I said, I'm so glad to be out, she said. I am hoping to be there Sunday. I then ran into a man who's been visiting our church. I got to have a nice conversation with him. Then I was greeted by the cashier whose warmth always leads me to choose her line if she is on duty. I drove away thinking it's a mixed world in which we live, sometimes filled with fear, sometimes with beauty. On the way back from Safeway towards my home, in front of Ramparts, I came upon a school bus that was going the opposite way that I was headed. It came to a stop. Its red stop sign came out and then that yellow cross bar following. 
I twiddled my fingers on the steering wheel. No one seemed to be getting out of the bus. I twiddled harder. (laughs) Then a bearded young man across the street in front of me, the bus's door opened. I noticed a blue and white handicapped sticker on the door. The young man got into the bus, and there still seemed to be no movement. But after several minutes, he emerged from the bus, assisting a young boy with Down's syndrome. They crossed in front of me. I assumed they were headed to the boy's home. My fingers stopped twiddling. It's a wonderful that a young man chooses a vocation where he can help children eight hours a day. And it's wonderful to live in a country wealthy and caring enough to make that a norm. I have a distant connection with one of the people whose name has been in the news recently over sexual harassment. A few days after the news broke, I debated with myself, but ultimately decided to send this person an email. I'm sorry for what I'm reading in the news, I said. If you want to talk with anyone outside your immediate circle, I would be glad to listen. In Friday's email, a response. Your note last week meant the world. Thank you. It is a mixed world in which we live. A decidedly mixed world. Perhaps as much as any stories in Scripture, the texts that are assigned by the lectionary for today's service take us momentarily out of this world in which we live and they transport us to somewhere else. In the Gospel lesson, which we did not read today, Jesus takes Peter and James and John to a high mountain apart by themselves where they see Jesus transfigured, his clothes become dazzling white such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. And there appear to these figures apparitions of Moses and Elijah, two of the greatest figures in Israel's history, and they are talking with Jesus. It suddenly stops and then Jesus leaves the mountain to face the opposition and the conflict that will ultimately lead to his death. The Old Testament text paired with this gospel lesson, the Old Testament text which we read earlier, depicts the last moment of the prophet Elijah walking the face of the earth with with his understudy and successor, Elisha. The text says, as they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching, walking, and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. But when Elisha could no longer see Elijah, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two in mourning. Elisha picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him 
And he went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other. And Elisha went over just like Elijah, just like Jericho, just like Joshua, and just like Moses had all walked across parted waters. Like James and John and Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration, Elisha sees a glimpse of the world to come, even as he is called to duty in the mixed world in which he lives. A scholar I read in seminary who was nearing the end of a long career and whose daughter was a fellow student of mine documents how the Elijah-Elisha stories have much in common with mythology from other cultures. Chariots, fire, horses, riders, battles between gods and servants of those gods, Mithra, Hercules, Trajan, all bear resemblances to Elijah's transport to heaven. If you read both mythology and the Elijah-Elisha narratives, you may not on the surface see much difference. Furthermore, our hard-nosed, scientifically trained, skeptical minds make it difficult to sort sort out what is real in the story, what is the product of the storyteller's imagination, and what is sheer superstition we no more believe than we believe in ghosts and goblins or witches and warlocks. But the older I've gotten and the more I've read and taught these stories, the less concern I have for trying to determine what is real according to our definition of reality and what is fantasy according to our definition of fantasy. If for no other reason the definitions of reality and fantasy seem to have changed even over the short years that you and I have walked the face of this earth, have read its book, have told its stories, have sung its songs. Real, imagined, or superstitious, there is something crucially important about this narrative. Something important. At the time Elijah lived in the ninth century, and at the time this story was written in the sixth century, the idea that someone would be spared death and transported to heaven was new territory of belief for the people of the Old Testament. They had long believed that death was the definitive end. That Sheol was the underworld, a hole in the ground into which every living person goes down upon his or her death. In the Old Testament, there had only been one other person about whom there had even been any hint of life beyond this life. Enoch, of whom it was said in the book of Genesis, he walked with God and then was no more, for God took him. Until Elijah, no major character seemed to have a life larger than this life, a life that extended beyond this one 
Better yet, a life that was lifted up in a chariot of fire, transported into a heavenly sphere. No one, no one, no one. Yet when Elijah was transported to heaven, people began to think, if Elijah went up to heaven and wasn't heard from again, it certainly seems possible that he's still up there waiting to be sent back to earth. This gave rise to the motif of Elijah the immortal. People began to believe as expressed in the book of Malachi that Elijah would return in the final days, that he would turn people's hearts to one another, that he would turn people's hearts to God, that he would protect the promised land and the people of Israel from destruction. They also believed that Elijah's return would restore the ten tribes of the lost tribes of Israel would stave off disaster and would protect them from any divine wrath that God might be inclined to send. Then at the time of Christ, Elijah was still eagerly awaited. When an itinerant preacher came into the wilderness and began to baptize people in the river Jordan, some wondered if Elijah had returned. And when that baptizer pointed to another itinerant as being one the thong of whose sandals he was not worthy to stoop down and untie, some wondered if Jesus of Nazareth was Elijah returned. Even today the Jewish people keep an empty seat, an empty place at the Passover table. Should Elijah return? What is important in all this history for us is this. As over the centuries, we humans have experienced the decidedly mixed character of the world as we know it. We begin to yearn, to hope, to pray for, to believe, to sing toward something more. We look around and we refuse to sing with Peggy Lee, Is that all there is, my friend? Is that all there is? We refuse to believe with Kohelet, with Ecclesiastes, that what has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. We refuse to say with Pilate, What is truth? We begin to believe that there's something more. We begin to believe that there's something greater than this life. We begin to believe that there's something celestial, something heavenly, something above and beyond the mixed world in which we live. Elijah, the immortal. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Bread. Wine, body, blood, do this in remembrance of me. Whenever I hear the story of Elijah, whenever I read the transfiguration story, these stories lead me like Elisha to rend or tear my own clothes in mourning and repentance. 
to pick up whatever mantle has been left for me on the ground by those who have gone before, to use that mantle to part the waters, to cross over to the next side, the next location, the next task, the next duty, the next opportunity. The God who speaks to us through these stories, the God these stories reveal, keeps us going through the decidedly mixed world in which we live. Amen.